Hey y'all, you are listening to the Crude Audacity Podcast, the podcast that talks shop shit and all things strategy with oil patch influencers. The politics around oil have become increasingly contentious, especially here in Colorado. What it is, is a study in hypocrisy. We see it everywhere. Political candidates, the nightly news, Hollywood, all villainizing the very substance that has brought life, opportunity, wealth, and security to so many. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the product of 3.5 billion years of evolutionary success. Do better. It is time for the energy community to stand up, draw a line in the sand, and say this is enough because we are at war. The fight on American oil is a war on progress, a war on the people, and a war on the American future. Luckily for us, there are a few generals still in our midst. Barbara Kirkmeyer, welcome to the Crude Audacity podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So you have quite an interesting story. You are a Colorado native. You have seen the evolution of oil and gas across this state for, you know, from the political side, from the personal side. So to get us started, can you please give us your whole story, how you got into politics <laughs> from the beginning, what you have sure. seen? We just need to know it all. And why are you so supportive of oil and gas? Sure. Um, well, first of all, I am a Colorado native mm -hmm. and I'm a fourth generation. You know, I first got involved in politics because I was fighting landfills in the southwest part of Weld County. Really? So I've lived in Weld County for just under 40 years now. You know, raised my children here, had a dairy farm here, owned farms here, still do. Dairy anything. farms? Yeah, dairy that farms. That is amazing. Yeah, well, you know, Weld County is also known for our dairy animals and for their Holsteins and, you know, the milk production that we I do here. I love that. I mean, and, and, you know, on top of being the number one energy producing county in the state, we're also the number one agricultural producing county in the state. So, you know, I was minding my own business, doing, you know, raising a family. I had started a business in Fort Collins, a floral shop with my sister, and we owned a dairy farm in southwest Weld County. Just minding my own business. <laughs> and along comes um, these huge solid waste disposal industry who want to put landfills and fly ash sites and medical waste sites all around where I lived in southwest Weld. So we started a group called SWAT. South what? Weld Against Trash. Yes. <laughs> so it's not just President Obama who was a community organizer or activist. I said that because that's where I started. It was Barbara Kirkmeyer. That's right. <laughs> you know, and we had a strong group of folks who were engaged in their community, who cared about their community. Mm -hmm. um, we had to go out and learn everything. You know, we had never, I'd never been involved in politics. I mean, you know, I was doing the precinct thing, you know, voting because uh, my mother was a precinct committee chair in Jefferson County. But, um, you know, I hadn't at that point thought, you know, uh, that I was going to run for office. I mean, I'm running a small business. We mm -hmm. own a dairy farm, and I had um, two small children. Yeah. Right? And so, but no, we started this SWAT group, South Weld Against Trash, and went out and fought the landfills in our area, and we were successful. That's but amazing. Every, it is amazing. Because what's really amazing about it is, is everyone in our group mm -hmm. went and got involved someplace. I mean, we figured it out. I, I can still remember the day I called a woman, and it was like in Indiana, who had been fighting landfills, because, mm -hmm. you know, internet... I, we actually had internet back in the early 90s. And so I was going out there and trying to find, yeah, <laughs> sorry, trying to find groups <laughs> that had been fighting landfills because, you know, it's, it's not like we were the only ones who had been doing it. Yeah. We were sure. You used AOL. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I did. And yeah, I got in touch with this woman in Indiana and she asked me a couple of questions. She goes, first of all, let me just ask you, are you in an agricultural farming community? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, you, so you're not in town? I said, no, it's unincorporated Weld County. And she Is says, Denver considered in town? Uh, yeah, yeah you're <laughs> <Just> in town. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and she asked me, she goes, are you mostly conservative Republicans in your area? And I said, we, well, we're definitely all conservative. And I would say, yes, generally Republican. She mm -hmm. goes, that's why they're picking on you. 
You people don't like government. You don't like government getting into your life. You just mm-hmm. assume they leave you alone. Exactly. And go, you're going to do your thing. They do their thing and they leave you alone. And so that's why they pick on people like you. Yeah. And I thought, that's amazing. So <laughs> everybody in our group went and like one person in our group became the mayor of the town of Tacono. Um, another person got on the planning commission for Weld County. Another person got on the health board for Weld County. Another person ran for the school board. I mean, every, y'all got involved. Everybody started getting involved wherever. We didn't care. Yeah. Because this woman that I spoke to said, y'all need to get engaged. Y'all need to get mm-hmm. into your... Now you got me saying y'all. Uh, I'm from Mississippi. <laughs> I have this effect on people. Uh, I'm from Colorado. <laughs> but um, <laughs> anyways, so we were all... Everybody got involved. And that's how I started getting into politics and what I, you know, yeah. where I just started... Like I said, that's why I ran for county commissioner. Mm-hmm. My job was run for county commissioner out of the group. <laughs> Did Never. you draw it out of a hat just to see? No, we all just were talking and I kind of, you know, became the de facto leader mm-hmm. of the group. And, um, you know, I'd gone through 10 years of 4-H, so I know how to, and, you know, did dairy judging. So I know how to give reasons <laughs> and I know how to speak in front of a group. So um, that is one of the most powerful tools yeah. you have. You know exactly how to deliver. And it was probably one of the most impressive things I saw the other week when we were at Women for Welds. So it just evolved that way. And I ended up running for county commissioner. Okay. So. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that so, was, so that was my first term as county commissioner was back in 1993. So I served as a county commissioner for two for two terms here in Weld County. Okay. And then because of term limits, I went off the board and I actually went and worked for Governor Bill Owens in okay. his um, administration, um, eventually being the executive director and on his cabinet, the executive director of the Department of Local So you just stayed Affairs. in politics. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> but I loved being a county commissioner. And so in 2009, I came back to the Board of County Commissioners. Okay. Well, we are so happy that you did. Well, thank you. So you are one of the biggest advocates for oil and gas in the, I mean, honestly, in the entire state. So how did you learn about oil and gas? I mean, I know that you grew up in agriculture. They tend to go hand in hand. But honestly, like, you're so well-versed in it. What made you immerse yourself in supporting that community? Quite frankly, being a Weld County commissioner. So we got immersed all the way back in, I got immersed all the way back in the 90s when I was commissioner then and worked on the um, DJ Basin Wattenberg field rules. I mean, I spent probably six or seven years going to meetings, several meetings, uh, you know, at the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. And back then, the commission was definitely more friendly towards oil and gas. I was about to say, what was the tone? It it was a lot more friendly. I mean, they were fostering Mm -hmm. oil and gas development. That was their mission. Different world now, isn't It, it? definitely different (laughs) world now um and you know we had reasonable people who were in charge of the state at that time that's when governor romer was governor Mm -hmm. um ken salzar was the director of the department of natural resources you know (laughs) ken salzar who became you know the u.s senator who became the department of interior Uh cabinet member um and they were more reasonable they understood the importance of oil and gas to the economy um but Clearly, back in the 90s, um, part of the reason I got really involved was because of the fight, the headbutting, if you will, that was going on between agriculture and oil and gas. Okay. So back in that time, the oil and gas industry, um, you know, they used to have to work out surface use agreements. They still do. Um, The county wasn't necessarily exercising any land use authority, so to speak. But um, they were com- there was a conflict between the use on the surface between agriculture and between oil and gas. Mm-hmm. The spacing requirements started dropping. So when we, we went from 160-acre spacing to 80-acre yes. spacing, then you go to 40 and start thinking we're prime irrigated farmland. <laughs> There's a million and a half acres of prime irrigated farmland in Weld County. Mm-hmm. They're right on top of where that DJ Basin, that Wattenberg Fields, where those sweet spots of oil and gas are. They're right on top of it. 
I mean, you can pretty well define, especially back then when everything was vertical wells. Yeah. Um, so you can pretty well define, you know, where all of that's going to occur in Well County, and it is right underneath our agricultural prime farmland. So think about you're trying to do a sprinkler or you're trying to do drip irrigation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're trying to soak your field and irrigate your field, and you've got oil and gas operating out in the middle of it and putting mud all over the place. Yeah. So that was when we started working on the rules with regard to pits and things of that nature. And um, we had a lot of discussion about oil and gas. Mm-hmm. So that's where I first started learning about oil and gas. Sounds so like y'all were working together as continual headbutting. It, it was, there was a lot. <laughs> It was pretty stressful at times, <laughs> but we were able to get things worked out and have the agriculture community and you know industry, along with the energy industry, figure out, learn how to coexist, because it's possible, it. right? It absolutely is. So. To think otherwise is just naive, honestly. All eyes should be on Colorado, in my opinion. We are a defining benchmark in what it means to be good stewards towards oil and gas, towards the community. Weld County is at the heart of Colorado. So in your opinion, why should the entire world, especially being an election year and with so much turmoil and so much focus on the oil and gas industry, why should every American be paying attention to what's happening in the oil and gas sector in Colorado right now? Because it's extremely important to the state's economy. Mm-hmm. And it's extremely important to national security. The other thing that most people don't realize about the oil and gas industry is the innovations in technology that we have garnered from what they do. Oh, I mean, yes. You know, when I came back as a county commissioner in 2009, the way they had changed, you know, and being able to do directional drilling and now we're to horizontal drilling. Uh-huh. And, you it's kind of cool, yeah. Exactly. And the <laughs> fracking techniques. You know, the things that they are doing. Well, you know, fracking's a bad word. Yeah. Well, for some people it is, but (laughs) there are other words that are bad words too. Um, But, you know, um, just the different technologies and innovations that Mm -hmm. they've brought, the air quality um, monitoring and the air quality controls that they have put on these sites to really demonstrate to other industries, this is how you control your emissions. This is how you ensure that we have clean air. Mm -hmm. It's, It's amazing what this industry has brought to you know, all of us, to mm-hmm. other industries, to all of us in the in Well County, in the state, and in the United States. I absolutely agree. But we seem to have a problem here in Colorado where the we can have third-party independent research done, the oil and gas community can release study after study, and although we have met, made so many accomplishments, it is rejected by most, or what you would assume is most. Um, in terms of we've got 181 now, we're trying to push for more air regs. I mean, there is... There seems to be a demand for science across the social spectrum that is the United States, but when it is presented and it doesn't fit the narrative being pushed, it is rejected in various capacities. So how do we bridge that gap? What are you seeing from your your stance, your perspective? Sure. You know, here's what I think the problem is, is the industry, the oil and gas industry can be at times a very arrogant industry. And um, over the course of the last, you know, 20, 25 years, you know, they were ruling the roost, you know. um, It was a good time. For for the (laughs) oil and gas industry, it was. Um, But, you know, they kind of forgot about we need to be a good neighbor. Mm -hmm. So in what way? Because I would argue against that. I know that we don't have a perfect story, but we're infiltrated into communities. We support schools. We support medical Okay, so you're talking about engagement in the community. Yeah. I'm talking about just being a good neighbor. You know, so the problem in Colorado is a lot of our mineral rights are severed. 
Yes. That isn't necessarily the case everywhere else. But yeah. here they're severed. Yes. So you can have a private property owner subsurface mm-hmm. and a property owner that's a surface, right? Absolutely. And through all of the court dealings, um, because government cannot um, prohibit someone access to their property. Mm-hmm. So, for example, on the surface, as a county commissioner, I can't landlock a, you know, a, a property. I have to allow them access to their property on the surface. It's the same thing with subsurface. You have to allow access. Exactly. Mineral rights outruled surface rights. Yes, they did. The issue is, though, before um, the mineral rights were, um, well, let me put it this way. The surface rights were subservient to the mineral rights Mm -hmm. because to get to your mineral rights, you've got to go through the surface. Absolutely. Right? And so, um, and that was a constitutional provision essentially and there were rulings on that in mm-hmm. fact some of the first rulings were right here in Greeley with regard to allowing access to private property rights to their mineral rights okay okay and everybody understands that so but the industry I think took advantage of that by saying you know what you've got to let us do pretty much whatever we want on mm-hmm. the surface you know so that's why there were all those fights back in the 90s between agriculture and between oil and gas because they're going in and not having any respect for the use on the surface okay so I'm not talking about you know, engaging in the community, because I would agree with you, the oil and gas um, industry has been wonderful about doing that, especially in the last 15 to 20 years. Absolutely. They have been amazing what they have done as far as engaging in the community and becoming part of that community Mm -hmm. and investing in the community. I'm talking about respecting private property rights on the surface as much as they expect everybody to respect their private property rights subsurface. Okay. And that wasn't occurring. I mean, I can tell you stories just even in the last (sighs) nine years where I've had, um, (laughs) we've had conversations as a board of county commissioners with the oil and gas industry mm-hmm. you know and we have to call them out it's like you know at first remember before the noise barrier walls those big walls that go up that look like big straw stacks all over the place uh-huh. um before that you know they used to put straw stacks around people's homes do you know how disruptive that is to your life when you're completely surrounded in a straw stack <laughs> for 18 months do you and know what that's like? So there, it's time and time again I have to tell the industry, look, it's your responsibility to be compatible with the surface owners, you know, with the uh, mm-hmm. people who live on the surface and have property rights on the surface because you're coming into their area. It's not their responsibility to be compatible with you in a land use process. That's been very difficult, I think, for the oil and gas industry to really get through their head mm-hmm. because they were used to doing business however they wanted to do business. Okay. And again, I think they were a bit arrogant and I think that was part of the problem. So I think some of the arrogance of the industry I think um, you know I mean this whole bit where they don't think they have to have land use regulations I mean I I do support local control and I do support that local governments are better to better equipped to deal with the compatibility issue on the surface than some renegade state state agency down in Denver (laughs) right I mean they're appointed by people that you know I can't get to all the time Right? Oh, we will get but, into it. But a local <laughs> government official, you know what? They see me in Safeway or King yeah. Supers or at the You're football game or, you know, wherever, you know, where I'm at with either when my children back in the 90s or now my grandchildren here, you know, mm-hmm. in, in 2020 kind of thing. But um, no, so they were arrogant. Um, they have an issue with, you know, trying to be compatible with folks. Um, so I think that was part of the problem that just kind of that built on it. That was the disconnect. It. Yeah, I think there's, there is that disconnect. Yeah. I think... Do I think the industry has gotten better at it? Absolutely. I would agree I, with that. I absolutely, I, I would too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it took a while. <laughs> it, it took a while, and that was a problem. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, we don't have the perfect history, but we do have a history where we are improving. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, if we were perfect to begin with, I still think we'd run into issues in various capacities. I think, I think we would too to some degree. But here's the thing. In Weld County, mm-hmm. you will get people – 
when they're in here and we're having a land use issue of some sort and you know it might be with a compressor station or a processing plant and you know the first things out of their mouth will be hey we're not against oil and gas that's not our issue that's their their already you know, baked in disclaimer yeah i mean <laughs> but they start that way and they say our issue is we want them to be a good neighbor you know going back to what you're yes, saying defining I mean, what it means to be yeah, a good neighbor I mean, it's th- not just the money exactly start thinking about we're in an agricultural community mm-hmm. so it's generations upon generations who are living in our incorporate part of the county which is where the will county commissioners have land use mm-hmm. jurisdiction and so they're used to dealing on a handshake and if they don't feel like they can deal on a handshake with you that's a problem. You're only as good as your handshake. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, um, when you're coming through as an oil and gas industry and trying to put in your 12-inch gathering line or what used to be mm-hmm. your 6- or 8-inch gathering line, and, you know, the first thing out of your mouth is, well, you know, we can do eminent domain. People just don't really like that. That's yeah, not well, real neighborly. It's not real neighborly, but in our defense, most of our industry doesn't like that either. We've had a big push internally to say, do not use that verbiage quite frankly sure. so but to your point it was there mm-hmm. and it was used yeah and so. it still is used just yeah. so you know oh i'm aware but um <laughs> you know but they are getting better um mm-hmm. and i think too the industry has figured out um how to really again invest back into the community where their industry is yeah so let's get into 181 because you have definitely been outspoken about it mm-hmm. so it is local control and i know that you are pro it but there are some cons to it so i feel like there's that concern of overreach um we're calling it a a non-stated moratorium and it's it's put colorado in a position where it has been dubbed one of the least attractive places to do business in the oil and gas sector i think we actually hit bottom of the bottom of the list so what is your stance on that what are you seeing happening so senate bill 181 there was a bunch thrown into senate bill 181 the the local control part was not the issue where either i or my board was opposed to because we understand um land use authority because quite frankly we've been fighting the colorado oil and gas conservation commission since 2010 2011 when they first came out with that crazy silly idea of setbacks being over a thousand feet (laughs) they started you know this argument started way back way back 2010 2011 when they were trying to slide things under not following their procedural rules um you know under ritter and trying to push through at one point they were talking about 2000 foot setbacks at the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission on Never top of that well here's the other thing that was in Senate Bill 181 that we were not in support of on top of that they were putting in giving party status to other entities for example in my county people like Boulder County would have had standing or party status in an oil and gas permitting process. Wrong, 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 wrong. We are ever, ever agreeing to that, ever. Nobody should agree to what Boulder's doing. You know, the thing with local control is, is, um, and local land use authority, again, we're elected officials, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, I've said this to a couple of groups recently. As a Will County Commissioner, I don't think I should get to tell Broomfield County what's best in their county. It's not my business. That's not my place. That's not my jurisdiction. Okay. I don't think Broomfield should get to tell Broom or should get to tell Boulder what's best in their community and what their citizens want. I think Weld should but, get to tell Boulder. Well, I don't think Boulder should get to tell anybody. Snap. But that's essentially what happened, right? <laughs> but you know, so local control is just that. I mean, you know, you can get to your county commissioner, mm-hmm. you can get to your city council member, and quite frankly, you know, and I had this discussion with a few of the industry folks after the first hearing of Senate Bill One Eighty One 
where they're all concerned and oh no oh my god the sky is falling if we have local control and i'm up there saying we're okay with local control here are the provisions that are horrible for the state of colorado in this bill Mm -hmm. and i walked out of there and i told him i said you need to get over the fact that there are only 425 active wells in boulder county that you're concerned about and start thinking about the 21,000 to 22,000 active wells in well county damn and how you're going to work with this and be compatible and be a good neighbor yeah because be a good neighbor you need to be right so there were provisions though in senate bill 181 that are extremely harmful to the industry and everything i said a year ago is now coming true yeah the part where i said it was going to hurt our economy is now coming true the part where i said that well permits would drop off by over 40 percent is it's more than 40 percent oh it is now coming true because you're right in fact in Senate Bill 181, they had what I called the de facto moratorium. And that's that ridiculous, objective, non-objective, quite frankly, criteria mm-hmm. that they have at the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. Yep. The other issues that were in Senate Bill 181, besides the de facto um, you know, moratorium issue that we, we kept pointing out, that I kept pointing out, was the change in the definition of waste, which actually looks very similar to what they did in um, New York. And the reason they changed the defini- definition of waste is, is that if now, if you leave the product, if you leave the mineral resource in the ground, it's no longer considered waste. So guess what? The takings issue, not being allowed to get to your property, the Constitution, they cut that argument out. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is the makeup of the commission. It's yeah, horrible. so why do you not like it? Because there are no engineers. There are no geoscientists. It's There's political. like some, well, it's all political. It's all but political. Like, if you're and not in industry, you can't. Deck. Yeah, but if you're not in industry, you can't speak on industry. There are people who are 10 years in who are still considered juniors because it is that complex. They stack the deck. And the reason I don't like it is because it's not based on data. It's not based on good science, good data. Um, it's just based all on political. Gut feel. And quite frankly, I think they should get the politics out of it. I mean, last year, um, myself and John Brackney helped bring forward a ballot initiative that we were starting to work on, um, one to repeal 181 because we, th- we kept straight. saying all the bad things that were in 181 that would come th- come true. Um, and these, the second part was was to put in its place instead of the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, which is essentially kind of buried in the Department of Natural Resources. Yeah. But the appointees are all governor appointees, right? Yep. And you know, I know it says that the director of the Department of Natural Resources hires the director of the Colorado Oil and Gas they Conservation don't. Commission. It's all it is also political. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So I'm in full support of an independent regulatory commission mm-hmm. that actually has scientists and experts and toxicologists and engineers on it. Yeah. Because Oh, I like you, that. Do you know what can you know they have to have a local government official on there right they don't they're not supposed to be dealing with land use what do they need a local government official on there for and the local government official they put on there is a county commissioner from gunnison colorado 54 active wells do you honestly think that person knows really anything about oil and gas and i'm not saying they aren't intelligent i'm just saying they don't have any experience in working with oil and gas from gunnison colorado (laughs) right up the hill you know i mean (laughs) What's the population of Gunnison? It can't be that much. It's got to be around, what, 25,000, 30,000 or something, maybe even less. I have no idea. Um, so how are they dealing with it? I mean, yeah. the issues are right here along the front range. And the reason we're at Grand Zero is because of the population explosion in this state as well. Absolutely. So it moved in right on top of oil and gas. It did move in. You know, Representative or Speaker Becker wanted to say all the time, well, oil and gas keeps moving in on these urbanized areas. No. No. We've no, been no, here. No. no. 
That's exactly. That's yeah. not what happened. Mm -mm. It happened exactly the other way. So this is what I say to my friends who are local government officials in other areas. And I did say this to the Adams County Commissioner, Commissioner Odoricio, who's a friend of mine. And I just asked him, I said, if your regulations are truly about health, welfare, and safety, mm -hmm. and if your setback requirements are truly about health, welfare, and safety, then why don't you have the same requirements on any new development coming in that they have to be back at least 1,000 feet from those wellheads? Well, why they do you think that they is? Because I have my opinion. Because it's political. Exactly. It's, it has nothing to do with health, welfare, and safety. And that was the argument that we did in 2010 mm -hmm. that I did in 2010 um, with the Oil and Gas Conservation yeah. Commission. This isn't about health and safety. This is clearly about politics. And yeah. they need to get politics out of it. This should not be something that's based on politics. You know, compatibility on the surface, best determined by local government officials, not some state agency, bureaucratic state agency, it should be determined by local government officials. Here's the other thing why we were so strong as well county commissioners in ensuring that we um, created our own oil and gas energy department mm -hmm. and that we adopted the 1041 regulations and that we put a land use regulation permitting process in place. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think people understand this clearly the sponsors of the bill didn't know what they were doing. They don't understand land use. Um, I don't believe that uh, Jared Polis understands land use either. No. Because here's the thing. When you're given a permit on the surface for your location and your siting of your oil and gas production facilities, it's called a vested right. You end up vesting your right to that location on the service, surface. So if the state now comes back, so we took away their takings argument that, mm -hmm. you know, our takings that they tried to take away from us, you know, from the industry, and we put it back. So if the state comes back now after oil and gas industry, you know, XYZ got their land use permit yes. from Weld County, and the state comes back and denies them a permit, it sets up the industry for a property rights taking lawsuit. Hmm. And they're going to need to, and it's going to be on the industry they're the ones who have to exercise that. Interesting. We've set up so there's some stability. We, meaning the Board of County Commissioners, have put in rules in, in place to set up the, so there's some s stability and some certainty mm -hmm. around oil and gas development in our county. Okay. So we did our job. We're getting permits out the door. If the state refuses to give permits or denies a permit, it's going to be up to the industry to say, hey, I've got a vested property right. And you're denying me the right to my property now yep. on a vested property right because I've got this permit on it. So I have the right to develop right there. And state of Colorado, you don't get to change that. I don't think anybody understands that except, you know, we're trying to get that information out to the industry. And we've talked to them about it several times. But I think that's important that they, mm -hmm. they have to follow through. We've done our part. They need to follow through. And the other thing I would say, too, about all of this land use and local control. It's really easy for a Fort Collins to put a ban or a moratorium on oil and gas drilling when you only have two wells in your area. Do you know <laughs> what I'm saying? So what happened, you know, the large environmentalist groups, mm -hmm. you know, because apparently none, in the ground none of the rest of us are environmentalists. But, oh, I mean, you no. need to go back We don't to, like our mountains in our ski area. Know, we don't like grass. Are you kidding me? Well, how about this? Huh. I'm a farmer. You're a dairy farmer. We're stewards of the property. You know Way before up. anybody else became an environmentalist. We've been environmentalists our whole entire life. We you just didn't brand it. We actually take care of the land. 
right? It's a very true you know, statement. Same, You're out there same using with all it. these other farmers, and you know, regardless of what Michael Bloomberg says. Oh Jesus! It takes a lot of gray matter to be able to be a farmer, and it's more than just putting a corn seed in the ground. You know, obviously that guy is extremely ignorant, and he just insulted a whole bunch of people in the state of Colorado and certainly in Weld County. But uh, across the entire nation, exactly. we are a nation built on land use. E- exactly. And on farming. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where he thinks he gets his food from, but you know what? And I know he hasn't operated a dairy. His but secretary brings e- it to him. Exactly. So it's where anyways. electricity comes from. It comes from the little plug-in mm-hmm. on the wall. There's no back end to it at all. But these <laughs> national groups, I mean, before Colorado Rising mm-hmm. in 2010, there were... A couple of women out of Erie who started calling themselves Erie Rising, and they started having these national groups come from outside of the state, propping them up and telling them what to say and encouraging them and putting out all their media stuff. And it started with a couple of folks who were called Erie Rising Mm -hmm. because they were upset that there was drilling in their community that they moved into. That they moved into. Mm -hmm. Key words. Exactly. So... Huh. So you spoke earlier about transparency. I would argue that it's not something that I guess our industry has always been forthcoming with because we have competitors. We're unique than the rest of the world. We don't have national oil companies. We're not just sharing data. We want to outdo our competitors. So keeping things close to chest made sense. There was no transparency. There was also no reason in the beginning, I would say, to divulge all of this data to those who are not in industry, which depending on which where you stand could be a good or a bad and and also honestly how do you properly push that forward in a comprehensible method but transparency is something that's really big in this state right now and is there's a demand for it so you spoke about those walls to hide the frack sites well all of a sudden you're demanding you don't want to see what's happening over when they're working over a rig but you put those walls up ooh what are they doing behind those curtains there who what are they keeping from us so what is your tra- your stance on transparency with the oil and gas to the local community? I think as with any land use operation, you want to have transparency. You know, again, back to why I'm a strong supporter of local control. Mm-hmm. You know, we have hearings about it. So we sit there and we have to mitigate about the noise, about the lights, the dust, you know, yeah. the, the weeds, the haul route. I mean, that's the job of the local official to do that, right? And, and even appointed local officials to do that. So I, I think every industry should expect that type of transparency. Okay. Um, and Which you think would be fair. Yes. Just to say, hey, mm-hmm. again, I, being I a good, you, good neighbor. Exactly. And, and I think that's what most people expect. Here's the thing. In Well County... We have a lot of hearings that deal with processing plants, you know, the whole midstream mm-hmm. operations, huge pipelines. The only time we get some people in on our land use hearings is if they're having an issue with trying to d- determine, you know, what the price per linear foot is or linear <laughs> rod is, right? I mean, they're not against oil and gas. They're yeah. just trying to, again, get a fair shake with regard to their property. But for the most part, we have hardly have anyone who's arguing against oil and gas. We're 90%. approximately of the production in the state of Colorado is happening here in Weld County. Uh You know, 35% of the gas production happening here in Weld County. We don't get people at our hearings. Mm -hmm. We just don't get them. They don't come because they've worked it out with the industry. So when the industry is a good neighbor and they go and they talk to people and they say, hey, you know, we're going to be drilling over in this area or we need to put a pipeline across your property. And we talk to you like, you know what, you're our sister, you're our grandmother. You're worth having a conversation with. Exactly. (laughs) And we work it out neighbor to neighbor. We don't get those issues. Mm-hmm. We don't have that issues. Ever since the 90s, since we were, got it worked out between agriculture and oil and gas, we, we basically don't have hardly anybody ever in our hearings. It's 
I mean, I can probably narrow That's good it down to, hear. to maybe a handful of hearings that we've had people at. But for the most part, we don't have anybody. And even when we do have people, it's very minimal. Well, like three or four people that are against or that are protesting. Is the same three or four people? Typically. (laughs) Yeah. uh You know, that are against or, you know, um, sometimes people will just have an issue, a a small issue about, you know, well, where are they going to be driving? Where's their haul route? You know, those are easy things to fix. They just want to make sure. questions. Yeah. And they just want to make sure that it's going to be compatible Mm -hmm. with them and that they'll be able to live next to it. That's all. Okay, makes yeah. sense. You know, I mean, if you were in town, you wouldn't want to be living next to a nightclub where they're up all night because you, know, you can't get your sleep, right? It's the same thing with, you know, people who live out in the county. There are some things that they just want to make sure mm-hmm. is compatible. Down with the sun and up with the sun. There you go. That's totally understandable. So talk to me. Let's let's jump on unveiling Boulder because there are initiatives that come out of Boulder County that where they, to your point, they think that they can command the entire state. Same with Denver. So why should we be wary of this? I mean, is I really do think that there is a purposeful moratorium happening. I don't think that it is by coincidence that we're seeing some of this stuff get passed. I don't think there's a coincidence with the just transition. Uh, campaign that is coming out of Polis's office. So can you talk to us even what is Just Transition exactly? What are you seeing with that? Um, so last year after they passed Senate Bill 181, you know, and they had mm-hmm. their war on fossil fuels, and they also don't like coal burning plants either. Sorry, we have an electric grid we have to support with baseload energy. Yeah, well, they I don't whatever. I like, they don't, I like my they iPhone charged. They don't saying. like it either, so they're trying to close um, coal burning plants mm-hmm. throughout the state as well. In fact, they've gotten some closed. Yes. Um, so their response to this is because of all the jobs that they understand will be lost. You know, with driving fossil fuels out of the state of Colorado, or you know, closing those coal-based plants, those coal burning plants. They actually do get it to some degree that they're going to lose a bunch of jobs. So they passed a bill and they created the Office of Just Transition. Weird name, right? <sighs> it's a ridiculous name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, it's a weird really? name. <laughs> like, like I guess we're just going to help you transition because we just took away your job. Because we're just assholes. Yeah, well, I didn't say that. <laughs> but because we just know more than you, yeah. right? But, because we just but know more than you. So they're out doing their bureaucratic thing. They're socialist bureaucratic thing. Mm-hmm. Let's go start another office that we're going to have a few FTEs in, you know, full-time equivalent employees in that are going to get paid big bucks to go out and study things and tell you, oh, yeah, you lost your job. Aww, and you know what? You. And while you're trying to find another job or provide for your family, we'll try and have you trained to get a lower paid job with probably less benefits. Yeah. And, oh, you're going to have to move away oh, because just. there are no jobs in this community now. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's killing Colorado. Yeah. It's it's just one more stupid idea that they had down there that they passed. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's it's about as stupid as you can get. I mean, I tell people all the time, the people that are, work down there that are legislators and are passing these bills, that they're all nuts and they're crazy and they're mm-hmm. nothing but a bunch of socialists. So they're figuring out how to attack the prosperous areas of our state and go after those where the wealth is. And once they get those under control, then they'll have control of the entire state. And you know what? I mean, we're seeing it now. Free health care, free kindergarten, free this, free that. We're going to control what straws you chew on. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to control, you know, puppies and, you know, things all over the place. I mean, it's ridiculous what they're coming up with down there. But they are attempting to control every single aspect of our lives. And uh, at the same time, they're trying to increase taxes or fees in every single thing that they can. Socialist Be- agenda. Exactly. 
And so then they have control. Mm-hmm. But and when that's you think, what it's at. Well, when you think of Boulder County, you don't think of them trying to equalize the playing field for everyone. You actually, my vision of Boulder when I drive up to it is, is quite a wealthy area. And yet they're sitting there telling everyone, well, this is going to normalize it. This is going to equalize it. This is how everyone rises together. So what is Jared Polis's agenda with all of this? Where is he going? Does he really want to kill the energy industry, one of the foundational elements of Colorado? He'll tell you no to your face. Oh, I've heard him say no to my face. He has said no to my face, He's too. He's also called my industry silly. Oh, I know. I so, was there. I know. Well, don't feel bad. He compared Well County to Venezuela and Russia at that same conference. So don't he feel did, bad. He said he? it was our fault. Huh. If there was any problem in the oil and gas industry, he said it was Well County's fault along with Venezuela and, and Russia. So, um, Does any other state want to take him? Please. Please. Send me a message. Please. How about <laughs> he just goes back to California? Oh, that would be great. I just think truly um, they put in place a plan a, a long time ago, years ago. And I'm, I'm yeah, sure so we I've all heard, heard about, about like, the yeah. blueprint and, you know, all this stuff. But they put in place a plan and um, basically on how they were going to take over Colorado and push their agenda and push their socialist ideas. And it resonates. Jared Polis is not giving up his paycheck. So this socialist no. bullshit is exactly well, that. It's bullshit. You, let's, let's even look at the national level. The people who are speaking socialists. Most of them are elitists. All those people running for um, the president on the Democrat side who are actually, they're not Old Democrats. Old Bernie and Mini Mike. Yeah, they're not Democrats. They're socialists. Mm-hmm. And they're elitists. Mm-hmm. Those guys have a lot of money. They have yeah. like a lot more money than I have. Oh, my God. And, and probably you, too. Honestly, but one of their <laughs> one of their like monthly paychecks. Yeah, this is poor girl podcasting. I'm aware. But one of their monthly paychecks would be like my entire paycheck for the year. Probably, <laughs> probably at least. It would be but amazing. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so, you know, I don't think they truly have a consideration or a care for the rest of us. And in fact, you know, I've talked to some of my friends who are Democrats and they don't feel that Jared Polis cares about them either. Really? He's, How so? Because he's just using them as a stepping stone. Are I mean, they going to vote red? <clears throat> I don't know that they will vote red, but they may not just vote, which would be okay too. Yeah. Um, Kill themselves from the inside think out. Think about it when Jared Polis ran for um, the governor. He wasn't top line in the primary. No. He barely made it on mm-hmm. to the I ballot. I remember that, right? yeah. He was number three. And so how did he become number one? Well, he spent all of his money. Oh, that's he why he's trying to get it back. I get it now. Self, there you go. <laughs> he self-funded his campaign, right? He self-funded his campaign and went out, spent everybody, including Kerry Kennedy and Mike Johnston and Walker Stapleton. Mm-hmm. I spent them all. He spent like $23, 24000000 million on his campaign. It's a lot of money to it's be a lot of money. three. Yeah. But, and, you know, he started out. So his own party didn't even necessarily welcome him at first. Yeah. And um, But, you know... I, there are people who would rather have somebody other than someone else. It's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, the lesser of two evils, I guess, in their mind. I don't know. Um, and I think a lot of people didn't vote. I think that's a problem. But From both sides? From both sides. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Or they didn't vote the full ballot. And, you know, I don't really know for certain. But I do know that um, Boulder County has basically felt picked on for years. Even oh, from that's because they're like, they think they're the cool kids. And that's what happens when, oh, you said no to me? They mm-hmm. should be whooped. Well, and they frankly. just want to tell everybody what to do and what's best for them because they're they're yeah. better at determining what's best for us. They are a I community mean, full of participation trophies, and I'm sorry, but when you take that away, that's when you feel picked on. You know, they just um, want to be able to tell everybody what to do and have control of everything. And if you say no, then you're being mean, and or you're if, not, you're anti-Colorado. Well, have you ever heard of being called an environmental racist? What the That's hell? That's their new thing now. We're environmental racists as you're well. You're an environmental racist? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, because, because I don't care. your protesters will destroy sites 
uh, mountainsides, national forest. But when my pipeline comes through and we leave it better than when we damn well found it, we're racist. Uh, environmental you, racist. Environmental racist. You just rolled up in here and you're like G-Wagon and you're Escalade to go protest something and I'm a racist? Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. We don't play with that word. So where's the upside for Colorado? Because we are seeing industry fold in on itself completely because of what Polis and his blueprinted bullshit agenda has done to us. So where's the upside? How does industry stay the good stewards and and a good neighbor for Colorado? And how do we prosper out of this? What can we do to honestly fight back and tell Boulder, no, I'd rather their feelings be hurt. So... I tell people um, they need to do the same thing I did. Get involved. Get involved. And get busy. Get involved in your community. Start start wherever. Start mm-hmm. in your community. Start in your neighborhood. Start with your next door neighbor. In what way, though? Because people don't like being preached at. And that's where oil and gas. But that's where oil and gas messed up. First, they like you. Then they trust you. Then they listen to you. And we went straight to telling them what was happening. Mm-hmm. So how do we do better? So again, you get involved in your community Mm -hmm. and it doesn't just have to be about oil and gas, right? You know, there are a lot of people who are in HOAs. Go get on the HOA board. Start talking and learning your community because you're right. It's about building trust. I mean, I just told this group the other day, the worst time to create a relationship is when shit's hitting the fan is pretty close. Okay, cool. (laughs) Um, The worst time to create a relationship, especially like in an emergency disaster is during the emergency disaster right? So when we're in an emergency or when you're in a critical situation, the worst time to try and get to know the person that you're working with to, you know, I don't know, put out sandbags or something or save your community Mm -hmm. is during the disaster. Because nobody has time to talk then. Exactly. Just get stuff done. And you don't have any relationship. Exactly. Reactionary. Yeah. So it's the same thing with your community. The worst time to get engaged in your community is when you want something from them. Hmm. The best time to get engaged in your community is when you're all in a good spot. You're all, you know, working and th- trying to think about how do we better our community. You're building trust. You're having those neighborhood mm-hmm. backyard barbecues. You're talking about your kids. Drinking you, beer. Drinking beer. You go <laughs> join, um, you go become a coach of the Little League team. Or yeah. you're the one who volunteers to take all the, the kids to the gymnastics meet. Or you get involved in your library district. Or you get involved in your school district. Or your fire district. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are boards all over the place. There are park boards. There are recreational boards. There's water boards sewer boards fire boards there are boards everywhere Mm -hmm. but get involved in your community go out meet your neighbors and make it a point of becoming your own little neighborhood group that's kind of hard for an industry full of introverts i'm not gonna lie (laughs) it's not hard for you though in your in your own community that's true that's you know what and here's the other thing have some serious discussions with your own family this is your job Mm -hmm. you know this is how you provide for your family this is extremely important to you as an individual. Yes. It's not about the millions of taxes that are paid in by the industry. It's not what it's about. No. It's about providing for Colorado families mm-hmm. and for our economy and really truing up the quality of life for every Coloradoan. That's what it's about. So you need to go out and you need to build those relationships now. Mm-hmm. And seriously, Start with going out and being a little league coach. They're looking for coaches all the time. People who are willing to go teach some, you know, seven-year-olds how to play softball or, you know, how to throw a football or, you know, hit a ball or, you know. Get outside. Or go, exactly. Or, you know, you go be a Boy Scout or Girl Scout leader or you go join 4-H and Mm -hmm. you work with groups there and, you know, work with kids. Or just get to know your neighbors and get engaged. Find out what's going on. You know, I mean, we have people all the time that are like, 
well, you know, how do we really get involved? And it's like, well, what's in your neighborhood that's bugging you? Like, are they not doing the snow removal? Maybe you have a community, community meeting. I will tell you how it started for me. It was the day after Valentine's Day, because remember, I owned a flower shop. <laughs> and my father-in-law contacted me, and he said, I need you to come to a meeting tonight at the house. I'm like, what is it, what is it about? I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I've got a two-year-old. And he's <laughs> like, he goes, I just need you to come to the house. We're having this big meeting because of all this stuff that's going to happen in our community. So my father-in-law is the one who hosted the meeting, the community meeting, and he just invited all the neighbors that he knew. That's excellent. And I live in an unincorporated part of the county. Yeah. So when I say neighbors, they could be five to ten yeah, miles exactly. away, Yeah, right? exactly. That's what I'm used to. But he invited everybody over, and there was like a group of about 30 35 people in his house and you know my mother-in-law serving coffee and cookies and things (laughs) and you know i'm thinking wow i'm getting to know all my neighbors yeah exactly i didn't know you lived across the the valley there yeah yeah, i mean so that's how you start you got to get engaged Mm -hmm. you got to get involved in your community and you got to get to know people before you need them Hmm. that's the most important part i love that develop those relationships Barbara, what is your advice when we run into protesters? We're seeing a lot of people, and I'm talking like not even the millennials, the generation past that, who are very anti-oil and gas, and they don't take the time to understand what it brings to the community, what it brings to the state. Yes, there are problems within the industry, but we are actively listening and working to fix that. And it is happening not as quickly as overnight, but pretty damn quickly because of the feedback we are hitting. So when you see protesters saying, keep it in the ground or throwing fits outside, my first thought is, don't you have a job? How do you help communicate with that part, even the 20% that may never be suaded, to say, what's happening? This is what's going on. This is why we need to work together. How do we make them hear us as well as us hear them? You know, I just think, first of all, they're not going to listen to anything you have to say. They're That's not going to hear you. They've already, they've already made up their mind. They've already made up their decision. The other thing you need to realize is they're probably paid to be there. That is There's a lot something of that most that people are, don't realize. They exactly. think it's just a community engagement and it's a following and so they really believe we, in what's happening. No, they're getting paid more than mm-hmm. I'm getting paid. Exactly. So they're probably paid protesters. So I will tell you in a board hearing, in a land use hearing in front of my board, mm-hmm. if we get somebody up who's a huge protester and wants to yell and scream, we let them have their three minutes. We tell them thank you and we don't ask them any questions. You keep and the we poker don't, face like we don't no give one them I've a, ever seen. Yeah, we don't give them any more. Yeah. Give them any more time than what than what we give everybody else. Mm-hmm. If we say it's two minutes, it's two minutes. Thank you very much. Your time's up. Go sit down. Yeah. Right? You don't engage them. And Just like on Facebook, you know, uh, there are some times where I do respond back to people, but I'm a one and done. And you've got to train yourself to be one and done. You don't want to engage. You don't hmm. want to give them any more of a platform. You don't want to let them keep going because you are not. There are certain people you're never going to change their mind. You yeah. just aren't. So you know what? Leave them alone. Let them go. Go work on the people that you can build trust with. Go work on the people that you can build that relationship with, that you can then truly sit down and talk to about Mm -hmm. the importance of your job Mm -hmm. to your family. Because, you know, I I will tell you one of the stories when I was doing Senate Bill 181, the the one testimony that I clearly remember was a young man from Fort Lepton, Colorado, which is in Well County, and he worked at Liberty Oil. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this. This young man gets up there, and he was probably about pretty close to your age, he talked about, um, pretty close to my children's age, and <laughs> he got up there and talked about how important his job was to him in providing for his family, that, you know, his wife was able to stay home and take care of his kids, 
which you know they felt very strongly about that they should be engaged in their children's lives and raising their children themselves good people exactly and then he talked about that because of his job and because of the security felt and he felt safe working in his job Mm -hmm. Um, but because of all of that, he was able to provide for his family in a way that he had never been able to provide for before, and that they were able to, at this point, to even take their kids to the dentist. And I thought, now that's pretty powerful testimony. And it seems so simple, and yet it's and he really was very quite genuine. powerful. He was very genuine. He was very sincere. Mm-hmm. You want to know what every Democrat on that committee was doing? Checking their phones? Yes. Assholes. It, it was not, it was very rude and very disrespectful, but exactly. So, you know, again... Go back and talk to your neighbors. Mm -hmm. Go, you know, um, a friend of mine, his son is a coach of, um, what is it, Little League flag football stuff in Fort Lupton again. That's Because that's the community I'm in. And you know what? He worked for Anadarko. Now he works for Occidental, right? It's called Oxidarko. Yeah, Oxidarko. (laughs) There you go. Um, But he works for them. And he he was a coach. Okay. And at every game, every place you saw him, he had on his shirt that said Anadarko. He had on his hat that said Energy Strong. You know, I didn't see anybody go up to him and start yelling at him or, you know, saying smack talking to him or anything of that nature. In Denver. But here he is working with all these kids and all these parents are seeing it and yeah. everybody's seeing it. And it's like, you know what? Uh, I trust that guy because I've already trusted him with my child exactly. for, you know, so many hours every week to teach him how to play football. Mm-hmm. And now here he is and he works for the industry. You know, if I can trust him with my kid, can I trust him with some other things? You know, it's that kind of stuff. So that's what I mean by engage. You got, you do have to get off your yeah. butt and get out and get engaged. The term is get off your ass. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But, um, yeah. But, you know, and the other thing, too, I think, you know, um, I just want to talk a little bit about the importance of the industry beyond the tax revenue. Yes. So because that's part of the people we always sit there and we fight for the numbers and we're like, but look what we're bringing to you. Mm-hmm. And that is not resonating. It's not landing. Everyone stop talking about that. Anybody can look that up, lucky you. But again, what are you seeing in terms of why it's important to have oil and gas in our community? So 2013, September 13th, which was a Friday on 2013, every major roadway from uh, 15 miles or so west of I-25, including I-25, to about 20 miles east of Highway 85, including Highway 85, was closed because all five rivers that are in this county were flooding. I so was not here then, so our I don't county, know what you're talking about. <laughs> our county is underwater. So the whole we're well flooding. county is we underwater. We have communities, not, not all of it, but we have communities like Frederick and Firestone yes. where there's a main water line that okay. was broken, so now they don't have water. We have communities like Evans who couldn't flush their toilets because of their sewer system. Their plant was underwater. That's we a have communities disaster. like Millican that were completely cut off for a number of hours um, from everybody else. You could, we couldn't get into them, right? And they're flooded out and people are leaving. I mean, we had um, Kersey, you know, because the flood, the thing about floods is, so think about it, it hits starting from the west and mm-hmm. just starts mo- working its yeah. way across. So it's Millican, terrifying. Millican, Johnstown, Millican, Frederick, Firestone, they're all getting hit. They're all underwater. And within two or three days, it's right all the way over to Kersey and Kersey's underwater. And so yeah. we have communities that are isolated, you know, no running water, no working toilets. No you know, way to get to them. They're out. Of, we've got people out of their homes. They had to evacuate their homes or in schools. You know, we don't have food. We don't have diapers. We don't have inhalers. I mean, you oh. know, the list goes on, right? Yeah. We're in a full-fledged emergency disaster. Absolutely. So I was in our EOC, Emergency Operations Center, on that Friday afternoon. Everything's okay. closed. And I'm hearing from Millican, and I'm hearing from Frederick and Firestone. I hadn't hit 
Kurt hadn't hit Evans as bad yet. Um, it was getting there, though, and it hadn't hit Kersey yet as bad either yet because those those communities were probably the hardest hit in our um, county. So, and it's right where all the oil and gas stuff is, too. Yeah. It's right where, it's our, prime, it. it's right where our prime agricultural lands are as well. And it's September 13th, so we're in the middle of harvest as well. Hmm. So our county's flooding. We're having these major disasters going on. Friday afternoon, I'm hearing from Milliken, and I'm hearing from Frederick and Firestone, and, you know, I'm talking to the um, other emergency operations center that's, you know, down at the fire station in the Frederick Fire Station, Frederick Fire District, you know, mm-hmm. their EOC. And they're like, hey, we got this water line that's broke. We don't have water. Is there any way you could assist us with getting water to our community? Yeah. Bottled water, right? Water that people can drink and use to flush exactly. toilets and, you know, wash dishes and take care of babies and things of that nature. Milliken, at the same time, you couldn't even get in or out of Milliken at that point. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you couldn't get in or out. So we have, um, in this county, it's called an energy industry work group. Okay. So I sent an email to all of them because I used to be in the Department of Local Affairs. I also oversaw the Office of Emergency Management. Okay. So, and I was the state administrator when we did the whole Hurricane Katrina response and recovery aspect, right? That's my neck of the woods. There you go. Mississippi. There you go. So, um, but anyways, so I sent out an email to two very good friends of mine who I know, personal friends. One worked for Anadarko. Okay. And the other one worked for Noble. Okay. And I sent them an email like three, four o'clock in the afternoon. And I said, hey, I got Frederick and Firestone. They need water. We can't get water to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like their, their water, their main water line was broke. And it's going to be a while before we can get, they can get water back into their communities. And we're talking like, you know, 30,000 people that don't have water. Mm-hmm. And I said, and Milliken, you know, I've got like a list of things. It's like Milliken is completely isolated at this point. We think we can maybe get into that community at some point tonight. We're working on it because roads were washed out. But um, we need some help with you know providing for that community Mm -hmm. could you guys help yeah and i'm not joking reached out to oil and gas it yes but it it felt like it was only a minute i mean i'm thinking it might have been more like 10 to 20 minutes and i get emails back my friend from mount of darko sends me an email back and you know he refers to me as bk and he's like bk we're taking frederick and firestone what do you need? Who's the contact? We're Just, taking it. We're, we're taking it. We'll take care of them. They're our community. We're going to take care of them. So I gave him the contact, and I'm, like, done. Like, right? I don't have to do any more. I yeah. said, here's the contact at the Frederick Firestone Police, or Fire Department who can help with this. Here's the town manager for Firestone. Um, if you could contact them and work it out and help them get water. They start delivering pallets of water. They bring in cisterns. They're bringing in water trucks. You know, so people can go fill up their own jugs, things of that nature. Yeah. So, and then Noble calls back and emails back, and they're like, well, we'll take Milligan. They're right down the road from us. We'll take care of Milligan. Freaking awesome. It it was freaking awesome. Yeah. So at 10 o'clock on that Friday night, our public works department is working, you know, diligently yeah. to get a road open. And I'm giving, I gave these guys the list. They're like, we need diapers. We need inhalers. Uh, absolutely. You everything. Know, we Insulin, need blankets. Medicine. We need cots. We need food. We need you know, dry we need clothes. Water. Everything. You know, I mean, like they need a lot of stuff. These people had to like literally run out of their homes. Yeah. So that, you know, cause they were getting flooded out. And, um, at 10 o'clock at night, they text me back and they're like, we got 12 pickup loads. We're ready to go. Damn how straight. Do, how do we get there? And then they just like took care of that community. Mm-hmm. And then they took care of Evans with, you know, bringing in porta potties. And then they helped take care of Kersey. And then they helped take care of working with Well County to restore our roads. We were the only county that within three weeks had all of our roads back to being passable during harvest. That's awesome. It's extremely important. But here's the part that still gives me goosebumps today. Hmm. 
So that after, whole story gave me goosebumps. Are you I kidding? know, but here's the really <laughs> cool part. So the the um, next morning, you know, we know we have people in homeless shelter or in shelters now because yeah. they're homeless. Yeah, right? they're truly they're home- homeless. Yes. their home is gone. Yeah, and so we've got people up here at the Greeley Rec Center. We have people at a church down in Frederick mm-hmm. Firestone. I mean, we've got people all over. You know, absolutely, a, yeah. a few hundred at least. You know, in couple in different areas. So I'm, I want to say over 500 people um, that literally had to rush out of their homes. And, you know, like their kids might have been in pajamas. Yeah. And we're also schools going, right? So um, so I sent out an email to, again, to the Colorado Oil and Gas Association, to COGA, and to that energy industry work group, Yeah, people that I know. And I said, hey, what do you all think about, um, could, what do you about think about maybe donating some $50 gift cards to like King Supers? Um, or like Costco, someplace where people can get gas and mm-hmm. they can get their pharmaceuticals and they, you know, their prescriptions filled and they can go buy toys or Target or yeah. Walmart, you know, Start their lives all of over, those things. So to speak. You know, well, here's the most important part. When people are um, victims of an emergency disaster like that, the first thing you need to do is give them some kind of control back in their life. Absolutely. Right? So I send this out. Um, within about an hour. An hour? I had, and it started, it just started rolling in. But within about an hour, I had close to thirty-five dollars to $40,000 worth of gift cards. They're like, we'll get it to you. We'll bring it up there. Where do we bring it? So, and then I had somebody who said, I'll give you my credit card. You could put 15000 bucks on it. Fuck yeah. And they're all in the oil and gas industry. All oil and gas. All oil and gas. By the next day, we had over $70,000 worth of gift cards. It took a day. Mm-hmm. That is and then so they just impressive. kept building on it. Then they gave to United Way. Then they gave to the Red Cross, mm-hmm. you know, United Way of Weld County. Yeah. And gave directly to help these people. Then they helped us put our roads back together. That's what the oil and gas community, that's what I mean by being a good neighbor. That's what I mean by when I say this industry is invested in my community. Yeah. And they do mean a lot more to us than just tax revenue. They're my neighbor. They're invested in this community. I know when I'm down and out or if I need something, mm-hmm. I can call them and they're going to figure out a way to help me out. That's important. The oil and gas industry during that flood event became a first responder, a critical first responder for our community. Whether they realize it or not, it's totally amazing. So So why isn't that story on the nightly news? Why isn't that being told every other day? Because uh, that is what it means to be oil field proud, proud of your community, to come into the community, to help, to restore, and to honestly do it without thinking. That guy who told you put 15,000 on my credit card, that's not a small chunk of change. And he probably didn't blink twice about it because he gave back. That is a huge thing. Yeah. So why? Why isn't Colorado pushing how important? Why isn't Jairus Pola's office telling that story every damn day? I, I have no clue. Barbie, the pushback on oil and gas in Colorado and the, the marketing behind the villainization of oil and gas is that it is a dirty industry. It's big money. It's just time to take, 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 sort of, you know, come Heavy in. Heavy polluter. And, heavy polluter, all of these things, and it doesn't matter what we do to prove differently. So what is your stance when you hear someone saying that, what is it that we can do as an industry to prove that we are not just an exploitation-based industry? So again, I think you've got to go back to the building relationships, and you've got to go back and work with your local government communities and not just try and tell them what to do or run over them kind of thing. I think you've got to go back and build that trust. Mm -hmm. And you've got to keep coming back with the facts. But I think you also have to show that you have a heart. We have hearts. Yeah, (laughs) that you have a heart, you know, that you are, that this is your community, Yeah. right? You need to, just like when those guys said that day, you know, that's our community. We got them. 
you know, it's the same thing that they need to be doing on a day-to-day basis. You mm-hmm. know what? It's not like it's just Fre- Frederick, Colorado. It's, you know what? That's our community. we got a whole bunch of people who live there. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing the industry could do is encourage the people who work in this industry to engage in the community as well, to go get on those boards, to become those little league coaches or, yeah. you know, go get on the library board. Go get on the school district board and give them some time to do that. Or you know what? Just go volunteer in your elementary school and go read during the month of October when it's read aloud month, right? <laughs> you know, read a book month kind of thing, right? Read so, a book about oil and gas. Yeah. Or or just <laughs> oil field titans. Or just read a book about what it means to be a good person. Yeah. Right. Hundred percent. So I think that's what the industry needs to do. I think that's what people who work in the industry need to do. I mean, you need to be proud of your of where you work, and the you need to talk proud. about you know, where, where you work and how it is safe Mm -hmm. and how you feel safe and how, you know, you do care about what happens next door. You know, if that was my, you know, wife that was living next door with my couple of kids, you know, I, I care about you as much as I care about them kind of thing. And they need to start expressing that they need, when they hear people talking about oil and gas in a negative way, and they clearly don't understand what they're saying, they need to it's offer to It's easy to, to jump on a negative bandwagon, mm-hmm. though, because as mm-hmm. a species, humans are dramatic. So if we're hearing negativity, I mean, that's why Bravo television exists. People like to hear the drama story. So they do. It's, it's easy to jump on. It's easy to jump on that bandwagon. But again, to your point, if you're going back into the community and you're constantly spreading that good word, mm-hmm. then that's how we're going to do it. I am also of the opinion that oil and gas needs to get better at fighting back and not necessarily for the purpose of being polarizing, but for the purpose of saying, you know what, enough is enough. We are here and we are here to make it better. I agree. But, and you know, and let your, you know, the people, the heads of your corporations do the fight at the Air Quality Control Commission and do the fight, I mean, you know, at the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission. I mean, to me, when you go there as an individual, and I think you should try and go there if you can, you need to just, you need to always think about how your representing yourself and you always need to be considerate and professional and respectful it doesn't matter that the other people are not it matters that you are right and let let your industry powers be the guys at the top let them do the the ugly fighting and then at the same time go into your community and get to know your community and be proud to be oil field be be proud i mean (laughs) i tell people all the time yes i do support oil and gas oh good no i wouldn't be here if you didn't yeah (laughs) but they need to be don't be ashamed of your industry don't be ashamed of your industry. Be proud to be oil-filled. That's right. Well, Barbara, how can people start helping you? I know that you are running for... I'm running for State Senate yes. in District 23. How do people start supporting you? How does the oil field get behind you? What do you need and how do they reach out to you so that we can put an army and get you in the right spot? Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I want that. you to go after Polis. I would love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done my fair share of that. I know. <laughs> uh, and I will keep at it. Um, so the best way to get engaged into my campaign is I'm on Facebook. And I yeah. also have a web page, but it's easiest just to contact me through Facebook, which is Kirkmeyer for Colorado. You know, mm-hmm. go on Facebook. And it's right there. It's easy to find. It is very easy to find. Um, you know, I'm on Energy Strong Colorado, and I'm on a few other sites. And, you know, and I try to... Um, get involved in those areas as well but come on to my Facebook page send me instant messages you know I'll let you know what's going on where I'm at um, and then you know the best thing you can do for me is vote yeah you get know, out or, and vote. or get to know if you live in Senate District 23 um, and you need to go find out if you do mm-hmm. so if you live along the I-25 corridor in Weld County or if you live in the city and county of Broomfield in all yeah. likelihood you live in my what will be my Senate district and um, get out and vote Get out, Get out and, and talk to your neighbors. It is your right as an American to vote. You it's, should not pass it up. It's your privilege. Damn straight. That's right? the better so word. Get out, get out and vote. 
get out and get involved. I mean, I'd love to have you involved in my campaign. You know, the other thing door is door knockers, door knockers, or just here's the other thing. Um, whether you live in my Senate district or not, find out who's running in your area. Find out who's running for the House of Representatives. Find out mm-hmm. who's running for the Senate. Find out who's running for county commissioner. Find out what where their stance is, not just on oil and gas, but on everything. Mm-hmm. Go find out where they're at, what they're doing, and what they're talking about. Go listen to them. It's easy and to then, do research. Yeah, and then if you support them, look, twenty bucks. Yeah, send them twenty bucks. Send them ten. <laughs> you know, but just send it them makes a something. difference. It makes it, a huge difference. It does make a difference, and let them know that you are supporting them because campaigning is it's a job. Yeah, to campaign. Oh no, and you know it does get sometimes it gets defeating, especially when people want to yell at you and go after you and and you know send you ugly remarks. But um, no, I would Gotta say you trolls, know for right? me, I would love to talk to you on Kirkmeyer for Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dot com and my Facebook page, Kirkmeyer for Colorado. Are all your events listed up there as well? Typically, they are. Yeah. Excellent. And um, again, if you see some kind of post, I mean, there for a while, it was really fun because people um, before I was really running, people were posting a lot of pictures of their well sites or you know their workovers and um, their beautiful pictures. Yeah. They've got these beautiful oh, sunrises yeah. in the back or this crisp snow. Because energy never you know, sleeps, man. Exactly. And so I told him, I said, um, send me. You know, I'd go on and get their pictures, and I'd look and I'd say, where's this at? You know, mm-hmm. is it this in Weld County? And then I'd repost it on my county commissioner page or you know, on any other page. Mm -hmm. And I think that's good because it's that positive side of things. And, you know, the other thing too is on your Facebook posts, I know there are people who like to vent and in a closed group, go for it. But if you're in a public group, don't do it. Why? Because it just paints a bad picture of your industry and the people who work in your industry. So don't do it. Go in and just say facts and say positive things and, and keep it clean. Keep it clean. You can tell people like, you know, no, your information's inaccurate. You know, that's not a nasty gram. That's that's just, you know, your information's inaccurate. Here's mm-hmm. the fact. Or, you that's know That's taking a stance. That is being exactly. not purposely polarizing, but taking a stance, putting exactly. a line on the ground. Exactly. exactly what I'm saying. You need to be able to get loud. So if they're going to get louder or try to get louder, as long as you stick to the facts, all you're going to do is piss them off by being factual. Mm-hmm. Be proud of that. And, you know, and talk about the importance to your family. Absolutely. And, I mean... Um, my daughter just posted a picture on Facebook and it was of my six month old grandson looking up at his dad after a 15 hour day, you know, he's seeing his dad and the picture was just precious. I mean, put stuff like that on there because it makes you human. Yeah. Right. And it makes everybody else think, oh, well, they've got kids too, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, they're feeling that it's safe and it it just starts creating that relationship, Mm -hmm. whether, whether you realize it or Mm -hmm. not, it does. So I would say, try to stay positive. You know, again, if you're in a closed group, fine, go for it. Do your venting. But if it's a public <laughs> group, um, put your comments out there. Be respectful. Be positive. Talk about the great things in your industry and just keep talking about good things in your industry because you'll wear them down. Mm-hmm. You really will. So, Barbara, before I let you go, what is your advice to those people trying to get into politics? Honestly, there's a learning curve. You've got to be able to think on your feet. You've got to be willing to have the hard conversation and you have to be a voice and a presence and honestly a face of a community. Mm-hmm. So for those that are trying to rise through the ranks of the political spectrum, which can be a very intimidating and terrifying and quite frankly, uh, aggressive spectrum, what is your advice for survival? Great, well, I know I'm gonna sound like a broken record here, but start in your community start at any board that is of interest to you it doesn't have to be oil and gas related Mm -hmm. start at any board that's of interest to you and go get involved Mm -hmm. and start learning what's going on all around you start paying attention to you know what's in the news um and you know going on facebook and looking at stuff is is good but really kind of 
dive into some things and then go talk so be to be more than a Facebook stalker. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, you should be more than a Facebook stalker. But again, you've got to go get engaged. You've got to start immersing yourself into mm-hmm. that world. Come to public hearings. Ooh. Even even if they're not about oil and gas, if they're about an issue that's going on somewhere in your community, in your county, you know, in this state, go down and observe a hearing at the state capitol. You don't have to wait for them to put something else up, another Senate Bill 181. Go down and, and start seeing what they're doing at the state capitol. Yeah. Follow your legislator around for a day. See what they do. See how much time they really spend legislating. See, I knew stalking would be perfect yeah. for that. See, this. you could do it. You'd yeah. probably be really good at it. But <laughs> but that would be that would be the first thing I would say, you know. I mm-hmm. mean, you can come watch a county commissioner hearing. Um, nobody comes to our budget. We have a four hundred million dollar No one budget. comes to the budget discussion? Hardly. We had we have last time we had like three people. Are you kidding me? Over four hundred million dollar budget. Dude, do you know how much money that is? Does anyone know how much? Do you know? Oh, my God. I do. But I'm just saying. So Meetings. Yeah, and, and just and go see what's going on. And the other thing is, if you truly want to get involved in politics, you do have to have thick skin. But it's also extremely important that your family has thick skin. So my advice, advice to you is this. Because um, nothing's hidden. Yes. Don't let your family be on Facebook. And read your page when people are sending you nastygrams or nasty messages. Because you seem to it, have some experience yeah, in that. It's harder for them than it is for the candidate. Really? Mm-hmm. Because they're going through it and they're watching someone they love go through it. Hmm. And they watch somebody that they love or somebody, you know, their family member or their friend or whatever that is getting attacked. Mm-hmm. And it's harder watching it happen. Yeah, because you get protective. Mm-hmm. So talk with your family. Make sure they understand. Um, make sure you're all on the same page and I would say continue to communicate with your family throughout the entire campaign you know and if you really really feel like you wish to be a candidate and run for office doing all that stuff go jump on a campaign yeah that's somebody you like and go help them and see what they go through and see how it goes and how it works the back end of the office you've got to be able to raise money you've got to be able to talk you've got to know you know you've got to know some information you don't have to know everything it's okay to say I don't know um but you know, you still, you've got to see what happens in a campaign. Mm-hmm. And I would advise that as well. Well, Barbara, thank you so much for taking the thank time. You. Thank this you. This was fun. This was so fun. Thank you for all that you do for Colorado. Y'all get out and vote, District 23. The primary election is the end of June. Get out and vote for November. We have so much on the line here, and we need to get the right people in office to make sure that us, the community that is oil and gas, is able to be the good steward and the good neighbor that we know we can be. So, Barbara, thank you again for all this time today. Thank you. Appreciate it. So what did you guys think? You want to know what I think? I think Barbara said it best. It is your privilege to vote. So come June, come November, get out and vote. Vote to save Colorado. Vote to protect oil and gas. Vote for the future of America, and above all, vote for Barbara Kirkmeyer. Hold on. One more thing before you go. If today's episode brought you any sort of value, go online, rate, review, subscribe. Also, if you have any topics or influencers you would like us to feature, you can get in touch with us via Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or the website at www.thecrudeaudacity.com. Thanks so much for your engagement, and until next week, give them hell. Hey, y'all. As you know, I am proud to be oilfield and proud to be an American. And as a proud American, I am committed to supporting our veterans, which is why I want to discuss veteransmatter.org. There are systems and structures in place that aid our veterans in receiving housing assistance. Yet we have so many vets still living on the streets, not because they have not gone through the proper channels or filled out all the mounds of paperwork, but because the VA isn't able to deliver deposit checks to landlords in the proper timeframes. 
So despite all the efforts, vets are turned away from their housing options. VeteransMatter.org is changing that. They provide the deposits in a timely and efficient manner that helps our vets get into the homes they need. To date, they have placed over 3,000 veterans in 22 states. This is an amazing program and an amazing cause, and if you are interested in getting involved, please visit them at www.veteransmatter.org and see what you can do to help.